Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Galindo, and welcome to the Winnipeg Coaching Minute podcast. I will be your host for today's call, and I'm so excited to have Devin Cruz as our guest today. Devin, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Joe. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, listen, I wanted to have you on because I think you have a really terrific story to tell. Uh, as somebody who's been in the business uh, about three years now, uh, you had a really good success early in your career with the help of a mentor and some other things. I just I want to be able to talk about that today. We have a lot of new or newer uh, to the business brokers that listen to the podcast. And so I thought we might just talk about, you know, how are you able to get from zero to 60 in your career and uh, and what might help other people that are newer or newer to real estate launch their career. Sound fair? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited. All right. So just for uh, for background purposes, for those listening, uh, Devin, uh, you are an agent at the Windermere Eastlake office. Mm -hmm. You began your career uh, right as the pandemic started. So congratulations. Way to go for good timing. <laughs> But through the chaos and confusion, Zoom meetings and all, you were able to establish a really good foundation with the help of your mentor. Devin grew up in the Brattle Trails area of Delby, Washington, and currently resides in Seattle. Uh, Devin, when we first uh, spoke, you mentioned that you got your undergraduate degree from the University of Washington before enrolling in the pre-med program. So my first question is, why on earth did you get into real estate? What prompted <laughs> you to get a real estate license and do this? Yeah, that's a good question. Most people see uh, my science background and are like, how did you go from point A to point B? Um, and like to start off, I have zero connection to real estate. Like my family has not been in real estate. I didn't have any experience prior. Um, so it really kind of stumbled into my lap during COVID. I um, was in my previous career. So I graduated from UW with a degree in biology and then a sales certificate. So I actually my first job was in sales for medical device sales. Um, I was super fascinated by the medical world, but I was really lacking that, um, I guess that intrinsic reward. I wasn't really seeing my impact directly with patients. I was working more with the surgeons. And so that kind of led to eventually my burnout um, and it lined up with COVID. So we were uh, mostly doing elective surgeries. It all got shut down. I was at home and I had a lot of time to figure out what I wanted to do next. And at that same time, I was able to witness a real estate transaction. So uh, my boyfriend's parents were selling their house. I got to watch firsthand their broker, how she was operating, what value she was providing to them, how much they leaned on her. And that really piqued my interest just because I had zero idea beforehand what a realtor did. Um, I watched her have play many different roles during this transaction. And so I sat down with her and I was like, hey, this is something I've never really considered before, but I'm really fascinated by what you're doing. And she really blew my mind. She was like, yeah, this is a full-blown business that I have created. I am my own brand. She and her son actually were working together as a team. And um, one thing that really stood out to me is she was like, I pretty much am my client's therapist, you know, 70% of the time because right. it is so 
people centric. It is so heavy on operating with different personalities and making sure that they feel supported. Obviously, we're the experts in the real estate market as well. Um, but a lot of it really is managing people. And that really, that sold me. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I I have no idea the actual real estate side, but I know that I am passionate about helping others. And I love how hands-on you can be. I love how many different hats you can play and, and wear in real estate. And so she kind of lit the fire into me and she was like, get your real estate license and um, don't make excuses. Basically, <laughs> you're going to do it. You have to go all in. And um, that was 2020. And so I love it. You know, you you, wrote, I, you said a couple of things that really resonate with me. You mentioned that, you know, people, uh, you mentioned uh, providing value. Listen, I, I often say that, you know, when I'm in the sales business in real estate, I understand how we make our living. We have to sell a property. I get that. But in my opinion, and you said it, we're in the people business. You care about people. You want to support people and help people. And if you do that people part well, you will ultimately do the sales part of it well. And then providing value, I think is very important as well. You know, items of value that we send out on a regular basis or being just knowledgeable about real estate is important. A thousand percent. I agree. I definitely do not consider myself a salesperson in this business at all. I, I describe myself as a resource, as a consultant, an educator. Um, but basically, I'm not necessarily out there trying to pitch people to buy. I'm here when they're ready and I'm doing all the the back end work. So I'm prepared. What challenges uh, you started in 2020. So the pandemic had hit. We're basically living our lives on Zoom. Uh, tell me what that was like for you. What challenges did getting into the to the real estate business during that period of time uh, cause? Yeah, I mean, I would say the most obvious challenge is we were all working from home. Um, and obviously, real estate is an in-person business. <laughs> so I had a little bit of a challenge. Everything was over Zoom. I wasn't going into the office. I didn't really get to meet a lot of people in person. Um, I was really lucky that I was set up with an amazing mentor who did meet with me and she was able to help me on the side. But it did take me a little bit longer because um, I wasn't able to really shadow people in open houses or even showings. And when I was doing open houses, it was limited people coming through. Everyone was in masks. I'm very, I'm a very expressive person. So like I connect with facial expressions. Um, so it took a little bit longer, probably the first like six months I was in the business, it was very limited to in-person, which was challenging. But um, having that mentor, that mentorship really helped my business and allowed me to succeed that first year. How, how often did you meet with your, was it weekly meetings with your mentor or several times a week? How often? If I'm remembering correctly, it was weekly. We met once a week in person, but then also our agreement, which obviously I feel like with a mentor, you can kind of set it up how it works for you. But for our agreement, it was she helped me. She was available for me to call any time for the first three transactions. So however long that would take, anything that I had a question about, I could call her at, you know, Sunday at 8 p.m., which I think is so important in this industry, because especially when you're new, things come up that you you're not necessarily prepared for until they come up um so having someone available who is just an industry leader already and super experienced was very valuable yeah no i agree i, I very similar I had, I had a mentor early in my career as well it, it's still a big part of my life even today even though she's now since retired but um having that person kind of speak into your your life and kind of watch over your business and you know give you that moral support and 
uh, contract support and all that stuff, I think is really important. So in your first year, I'm just curious, how many, how many transactions, this is year three, how many homes did you sell in your first year? And where are those, where are those buyers or, or sellers come from? Yeah. So it's actually interesting. I, I did eight transactions my first year and I did one rental. So um, I was very open to anything that I could possibly become a part of. Um, four of those were actually from my personal sphere. So sending out newsletters, talking to people, making sure that they knew that I was in real estate. Um, two of those were actually referred to me by other brokers, which was very interesting. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that to be a um, source of business when I first started. And then two of those were actually co-listings. And this is one thing that... I, I mean, I, I do count it in my transactions count, but it was something where I connected with a broker and I was like, I really just want the experience. You don't even need to pay me. I just want my name on the sign. I want to be able to market it. I want to be able to see exactly what is going on. I'll do all of the, you know, the less glamorous work. Um, and so that was the other two. So I would say, yeah, six transactions, four were really mine. I guess six, I got paid on <laughs> Good for you. That's great. That's listen to do, you know, six transactions, or eight transactions in your first year, I think is, is really good. I, I, I often, I often say that, you know, really the first six months in real estate, you're just kind of getting used to the terminology and getting used to walking around in this new, you know, world called real estate sales. Um, so really the first year in your in business, you're kind of finding it's, it's finding things out. I think I sold 11 yeah. properties in my first year, but that's only because I, I'd been working for a really top agent for a couple of years as her assistant and, you know, got to learn the business from somebody who was already in the business doing it at a really high level. So, uh, but yeah, six or eight sales in your first year is really great. How does your business transition to today? I mean, it, how, do you have a database of clients and, and who are those people to you? I do have a database. I have about 150 people in that database and it's a combination of um, family, friends, past clients, referrals, um, people, just personal people that I have in my personal life and they don't necessarily all live here. Um, I kind of think of my database as people who would not necessarily be buying or selling from me in, in the near future, but people who would refer me people who I've built trust with or have relationships with that would, um, you know, I, I've sent my friend in New York, my Seahawks magnets. So they know they're from Seattle and in hopes that maybe you know, they all have a cousin moving to Seattle and they'll refer me, um, so that's really what compiles my my database right now. And then my business this year has been, um, it started to turn into more referrals, which is great, both from my database, also past clients. Um, and then I still also do have the referrals from other brokers as a pretty big source of my business. That's great. I, I, I want to go back to something that you said. You have people in your database that don't necessarily live here. Mm -hmm. um, because I, and, and, and I'm not to put words in your mouth, but you said I have a relationship with these people. They're people that I care about, but they don't live here, but you get what from those people? You get referrals from yeah. those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Um, I, cause oftentimes, uh, and for those that are listening, you know, when we sort them into A's, B's and C's, uh, it's not the, it's not the A's aren't the people necessarily that are actively looking to buy a property or active listings necessarily. They, they can be right. A's are people that we're doing life with on a regular basis that we know we're going to bump into two or three times a month, if not two or three times a week. The B's are people that maybe we have a personal relationship with, but I have to be deliberate. I have to pick up the phone. Hey, Devin, it's Joe. Let's grab coffee. Right. You're, I know you personally, but I don't, I don't get to see you all the time anymore. Mm -hmm. B's, well, those, that's everybody else, past clients or uh, casual acquaintances and so on. 
Um, so tell me what 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 types of things you do to stay. You know, if you're a ninja, we say you know staying in flow with. But what mm -hmm. kinds of things do you do uh, to remain top of mind or relevant with the people in your database? Yep. And I, and you know, over the like last couple of years, I really have tried to systemize it every year looks a little bit different, but I feel like I'm finally getting into a good routine and I am consistent with it. My entire database, 150 people get weekly or excuse me, not weekly monthly newsletters. Um, I do e-newsletters. I do quarterly mailers. Um, and that's to everyone as well. And then, um, I do do two like events per year. Um, and the events, one of the events is to everyone. One of the events is more to like A's and then past or active clients. And then depending on if they are like an A versus a C, like my A's are people that I am interacting with more often, A's and B's. So like, I'm pretty good about reaching out. Let's go on a walk, you know, walk, coffees, happy hours. Um, staying in flow that way is very organic for me. And it's a way that is social, but also translates into business as well. So how many A's, how many B's, how many C's roughly would you have as part of that 150? So I went and looked back and I have 48 A's and I have 60 B's and then the rest are C's. Mm -hmm. So yeah, about 40-ish C's. Okay. And, uh, and so you you do an e-newsletter that goes to everybody in the database, correct? Mm -hmm. um, so if, if I'm hearing you correctly, everybody gets the newsletter, everybody gets the quarterly mailer. Uh, not everybody's invited to the events. Is that correct? So my we actually, a colleague and I did our very first summer event this past summer. Um, we are starting to do a little bit more partnership together. And so we thought it'd be fun to co-host. We have this awesome deck at our office as well. So it's kind of like perfect venue, do it in the summer, invite our A's and then um, past clients, active clients, and maybe people who are on the hot list. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, I think the biggest thing with doing anything brand new in real estate, especially like in a new event, a new mailer is just doing it. Um, there were definitely things that we were like, okay, maybe this is a little not super smooth the first year, or like we didn't maybe get as met the turnout that we were expecting, but I think being consistent and just doing it and starting out and then doing it again next year and the next year, and eventually we'll be on our client's radar for, Hey, this weekend in the summer, Sorrel and Devin always do this event. Um, that was kind of our main goal with it. And I would say it was fairly successful for the first year. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that events are super important, especially for the people that, you know, we're really close to, again, the A's and the B's and, and, um, and the consistency of doing that. I think if, the more you do it, and you'll find this to be true, uh, your clients and your customers will anticipate that party, right? A uh, coaching client uh, who does a 4th of July party on his property in Beaver Lake every year, right? And uh, and so they anticipate that on the 4th of July, we're gonna go and hang out on the deck and jet ski and all that stuff on Beaver Lake. And so it, it, they they mark their calendar for that event every year. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas parties and holiday parties and those sorts of things, same, same thing. The the newsletter, because I often hear from agents that, you know, I, I send out the newsletter. By the way, I've been on that deck at your office. Uh, for those listening, it overlooks, oh, yeah. <laughs> it overlooks like you you guys, if you're listening to this, Today it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. A, a great beautiful. come visit. <laughs> yeah, take take advantage of that deck. But the newsletters and the and the and the market reports and things that we send out. Oftentimes I hear this from agents. Well, gosh, it's not 
you know, I, I don't send it out because um, uh, I, I, you know, there's some information in there that I don't think will my clients would find relevant, right? It's um, that maybe um, maybe the message, not every message in the newsletter is going to resonate with everybody uh, in my database. And I guess what I say to them is, if it resonates with you know a dozen people and you've got 150 in your database, then the, your target audience is the, the the dozen people that it resonates with. And just know that the next newsletter might resonate with a dozen other people that are different. And so. Um, the point is just send the thing out, right? Whether it's whether it's exactly how you would write it if you were creating it yourself, if the company provides that for you, um, take advantage of the fact that they're sending something out on behalf on a, on a regular basis. I agree. And I think um, to add to that, obviously it's important to provide valuable information. And I think it's good to be mindful of like, is this going to resonate with my clients? But also, I mean, what's the stat? It's like, you know, people choose their realtor as like the last stage that they're ready to buy or sell and you want to stay top of mind. So I think the biggest thing is being consistent, showing up, seeing like, even if they're not clicking on the newsletter and reading it through every single month, they're seeing my name every single month. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, I am consistent and they know, oh yeah, Devin is in real estate. Oh yeah, Devin's in real estate. <laughs> and that yeah. in turn um, ends up you know, adding to your success. And I also think that a lot of times we don't realize how many people are actually reading it because they maybe won't respond or, or even like say anything. And you're like, Oh, I've been sending this to these or these people for a year. And I don't think they even know it's probably going straight to their spam. And then I'll see them and they'll be like, Oh my gosh, I love the poll that's in the newsletter. Or like you said this, this was crazy. Oh my gosh. And it's like, okay, it really is valuable to people and people enjoy it, even if they're not immediately responding. I love that. Yeah. It's, so often we hear that, right? We hear, you know, I sent it out for six months and nobody said anything. So I, it, apparently it doesn't work. Well, you don't know that. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with like writing personal notes, because I'm a big personal note guy, mm -hmm. right? Personal notes. And I might get a text message or an email or maybe a, a phone call going, hey, thanks for the, for the note. But that might be, you know, 10% of the people that get notes from me are going to respond. But the fact that I sent the note or that sent the newsletter, I sent the market report, mm -hmm. and I got to see my name, right? My logo, my picture, my contact information. Uh, if, the, if that's all they ever see from the newsletter or the market report, then, you know, we've done our job. Um, yeah. So, and, and again, it's the consistency of doing that. It's not something we do for six months and then stop. We have to do it uh, month after month after month for years. Mm -hmm. I want to ask another question. I, I know you have a hot and warm list. Maybe share with us like how many people on your hot list, how many warm clients you currently have for those listening, a hot list of people or people are actively looking and buying and selling right now. So buyers and listings that we have, the warm people are people that uh, may not have an immediate need, but uh, a need here maybe in the near future. How often do you communicate with your, your hot and warm list folks? So yes, I use a hot and warm list and my hot and warm list really changes pretty frequently because I have it, I use the whiteboard system. I don't know, I think Ninja talks about that. Um, so I have a whiteboard at my desk and then I also have it uh, like an electronic version and it could probably change like week to week if not multiple times a week. Um, hot, I usually have around four to five people and then, but again, as soon as they either are no longer hot, they move back to my warm or if they're under contract, great. Um, but my warm list, I pretty much add anyone who even mentions that they are 
thinking about buying in the next year are like asking more pointed questions, which make me think that they're at least starting to get into that mindset, you know, have a life change. Like that's something that Ninja always talks about too, you know, having a baby, getting married, things like that, where you can kind of tell a life change is going to trigger some sort of move immediately get added to my warm list. Um, and over time too, I've gotten some leads from social media immediately to my warm list. So depending on if they're buying or selling or what their needs would be, um, I check in with my warm list, not overly frequently, because again, I don't necessarily want them to feel like, oh, you said this to me. So now I'm going to start pressuring you to buy. I really take the approach of like, I'm here, I'm a resource, I'm available when you're ready. Um, but I'll make sure that we are staying connected. And it's probably more in an organic way, like, let's go get coffee or like, hey, did you get that property review I sent a couple of weeks ago if they're asking about it? Or did you see that house that sold down the street? Like things that I think that they would genuinely find interesting and keeping the connection alive. My hot list is much more involved. Usually when they're on the hot list, they are like, engaged in more active conversations, if not have an active search going. Um, so I'm in touch with my hot list multiple times a week, if not every single day. <laughs> and maybe I'm not, you know, working the hot list uh, as traditional hot list, but those are like my, my clients who I think are going to buy in the next like, or sell in the next like month, two months. Follow up question, because you mentioned, um, you know, life changes, you know, we often say people buy and sell based on two things, pain and pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think actually pain uh, could be more of a motivating factor to to buy or sell something that even pleasure would be. But, you know, people having babies, seeing a growing family, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people that are retiring, maybe they're downsizing, they're empty nesters and, and their kids are out of the house and they don't need 4,000 square feet anymore mm -hmm. uh, but for those pain and pleasure points. Um, do you, do you do, are you on social media? Do you follow your friends and family on social media? Are you looking for pain and pleasure during, you know, uh, those posts, the things that they might post? Yes. Um, but I try not to, especially the pain element. I try not to like, you know, see an opportunity and be opportunistic in that way. Um, I do follow people on social media. I do, I use, uh, Instagram more so than Facebook, which tends to be a different generation than, parents, friends, people who are retiring. Um, but I do try to stay connected. I think my biggest thing with social media is sharing what I'm doing. So actually this year, especially in an, in a market where it's a little bit turbulent and it's not, you know, rates are, are higher. We tend to see pain more as the motivator because people have to move for whatever reason. Um, so I've done a number of estate sales. And so like, I'm sharing, like I'm doing an estate sale. This is what I am doing. And that in turn gets shared on social media and then people see it and then reach out be like, Oh, you know, this person is going through this right now. Like, would you be able to help or like provide a property review or a CMA because their spouse just passed, you know, whatever that is. And then that turns into, um, a client. No, I, that's that's a that's a great point. I I, I don't want our listeners to think that you know we're we're chasing ambulances with yeah. our yeah. we're, but but people will share things their pain and their pleasure whether they're having babies or you know uh, mother in laws in the hospital those sorts of things. I always look at those opportunities. Listen, if we're if we're following people that we really care about, which mm -hmm. is really what we should be doing. Uh, rather than, you know, looking for business opportunities, look for opportunities to maybe touch someone and look yes. for an opportunity to console them, to congratulate them. Uh, because if they're part of our world, we we care about them deeply. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we, we share that uh, care, that concern with them. 
And just know that at some point they're going to have a need or know somebody who does and we're the person they're probably going to call. Yes, I agree with that. You so you mentioned the uh, when we we first spoke that uh, that you're doing the 28 day challenge. What is the 28 day challenge, Devin? So the 28 day challenge. This is something actually we do every single year in our office. Um, after the summer, we kickstart it in September as kind of a reset for our businesses. Um, it's run by, well, actually, I think it was just redone, but we do the Eric Thompson version. Um, he is or was the president of Windermere Services out of Colorado, and it's all pre-recorded, so you can watch it at any time during the day. It's a video per day for 28 days. We do Monday through Friday. We take the weekends off, so it takes us about six weeks. Um, and every single day, it has a different um goal and basically homework activity to accelerate your business and his whole premise of it is like if you stick to this and you really do all of the activities for 28 days your business is going to be significantly stronger by the end of this um i like it because i think it's a mix it's a good mix between working on your database and and kind of breaking it down into bite bite-sized chunks so obviously database when you're for starting out or at any point, if you're not actively working on it pretty consistently, it can feel very overwhelming. Um, but he focuses it one day at a time, focus on your A's, focus on your B's, focus on your C's. And then he also um, does talk about the hot warm list. And then we're actually in the morning routine. So he has a business centric element, but then he also has a personal centric element, which is really nice because obviously, again, this is a very lifestyle business, personal business. You have to take care of yourself and have good habits, good healthy habits for yourself in order to truly show up for your clients. Um, so he is very much about, you know, starting your morning routine on the right foot. Do put yourself in the right mindset, um, play offense in the morning, because a lot of times we're on defense when, you know, clients are, or people in general are coming at us from every angle the rest of the day <laughs> needing something. Um, so it's, I, I think the 28 day challenge is a great way to start. It was actually the first thing I did during COVID because you can do it at home and remotely. And it just gets you, feels like you, it gets you organized. Yeah. I know. I think that you, you mentioned playing defense. I think the best way to play defense early on is to check your email, right? Yeah. yeah. And your day becomes whatever somebody else's day looks like. And I think starting mm -hmm. I, by the way, I think Michael Fanning is in the process, if he's not already completed, um, uh, redoing the 28-day challenge. I think he's he's redoing that. Right. But, um, but you know, Eric does a, a terrific job as well. You know, checking our email first thing in the morning, I think for a lot of us is out of habit, but it kind of derails us because then our day looks like somebody else's problem, as opposed to, as you said, starting off with mindset. And what does that look like? My journaling, do I have any quiet time? Uh, you know, do I eat a balanced meal in the morning? How am I, how we, how we start the day will often determine how our day will unfold and how our day will end. Starting mm -hmm. off right is super important. Mm -hmm. And especially in a world where we're constantly being bombarded by social media, our phones, our computers, it is nice to take that. He always, he says the first 30 minutes. So 30 minutes just to think about something other than the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah, totally, hundred percent. So I know that you, when we chatted that you um, you don't currently use a CRM, and that's okay. Uh, we have some really great ones, but um, but tell us about uh, how you keep track of who gets a phone call, who gets a coffee date, who gets a lunch. What is your system for um, for tracking when you send out items of value and who gets what and who needs a phone call? Mm -hmm. 
So what works for me is I use Google Sheets. It's just an easy way for me to really see what's going on, to stay connected, to make changes as necessary to go in. Obviously, it's not connected to a calendar, which I think is a very big part of staying in flow with the CRM. Um, but for right now, it works well for me. I am looking at my hot and warm list every single day. Those are the people that I'm really staying connected with. Um, I also keep track of everyone that I see in person every week. Um, so my live contacts is something that I'm watching for. Is it, um, is it the same people every week? Is it new people or are they people on my hot warm list that I need to integrate into that and schedule coffees or walks with? Um, so I'm really focused on my hot and warm list and that in turn becomes like who I'm prioritizing to meet with. Um, one thing that I will say is like, I have to be good about checking my Excel sheet every single, right. I mean, month at a bare minimum, pretty much weekly, especially for like birthdays, anniversaries, like, and this is something that I'm still actively working on to become better at, but like the first of every month, write all of the birthday cards for that entire month and have them ready. Um, home anniversaries, have that ready to go for the entire month. And then I can send them out each week as their birthday approaches. But you do have to be a little bit more um, active to- Diligent, yeah. Yeah, yes. You have to be intentional and actually like look at it every single week versus having a calendar reminder like, hey, it's this person's birthday in a couple of days. Um, but for right now, it works well for me. I, it helps me visualize what I'm doing and who maybe needs some more touches. And that's really the key, in my opinion, is using a system that that works well for you. Um, and I'm, again, some really great CRMs out there. I think Moxie Works does a great job and others as well. But uh, for me, for years, it was just an Excel spreadsheet where I would write in the margin. Um, and, uh, this is before CRMs where they are today, of course. But, but you know, I'd, I'd write P note and the date. So I wrote a personal note on this date or phone call on this date, a newsletter on this date. And it was a little more cumbersome, but it was my way of being able to, again, I'm very, very visual. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could I could print the, the sheet out or pull it up on my computer, see exactly who uh, received what and when and who needs an, the next phone call or, um, or a copy date. So uh, all that to say, find a system that works well for you, embrace it and, and be diligent. Now, really, the last question I have, and one thing that I know you do that I, I love is that you're a part of a, a regular group that gets together. We call them mastermind groups. I think you called it your your Wednesday, um, your Wednesday. Or winning group. Wednesdays. Yeah, there you go. Winning Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Tell us about the Winning Wednesday group. What do you get? How is it every week? What do you guys talk about? How many people in the group? That sort of thing. Yeah. This, so this is something that I joined immediately, even during COVID. They were meeting on Zoom. Um, this has probably been the most consistent accountability group uh, that I have ever been a part of. And it's existed long before I even started. Um, it's every single Wednesday at 10 a.m. There's really no exceptions unless it's literally Christmas Day. Um and I mean, obviously everyone's schedules change. So if you can't make it to a Wednesday, that is fine, but it is pretty consistent. And I would say it ranges between a consistent five to six people up to 20 people. Um, and all are welcome. It basically is a way for us to all come together, have like an hour to discuss whatever is going on that we're seeing in our businesses. It's also an accountability group. So at the end of the meeting, we say three things we're going to do this next week. And then the beginning of the meeting we share, did we do those three things? Um, so I think it's really helpful to stay on track with items that might not be the highest priority, but are still important. Um, but it's a great way. Obviously, we have our, our 
Monday meetings with the entire office, but having this designated hour to talk, to really go into depths about what we're seeing in the market, maybe a challenge that we faced that last week, um, we can brainstorm and we're very collaborative and sharing like, you know, I feel like oil tanks have come up a lot. We do a lot in Seattle, older homes. And so, you know, random things will come up where you're like, this was really challenging. This is what we did. What have you guys seen? What are ways that you combat this? Um, and it's just a way for us to all stay informed. And like, it's so helpful. I learned so much from it every single week. And then we try and have like a, sometimes we'll try and have a um, subject. So like ahead of time, we'll be like, okay, like, you know, we're really going to focus on marketing this week. So bring all of your marketing ideas or like your listing checklist, what works well for you. Just a way for us to all learn from each other and have something very consistent. I I love that. I, you said accountability. I think it's so important that um, you know we we're accountable to to our peers or our, our manager, our mentor, and I love those kind of mastermind groups where you get together for now and you share ideas and share war stories. And um, I, I'm assuming this is this is uh, new licensees, seasoned agents, everybody come one, come all kind of a thing. Yep, it's a total mix of people who started a week ago and people who have been in the industry for 20 years. Um, and I would say it's probably valuable for every single person because as we know in this business, every transaction is different. Everyone has some unique situation and um, the seasoned brokers can learn from the new brokers just as well as the new brokers can learn from the seasoned brokers. So it's really nice. Great advice. So final question, if you if you had, you know, one piece of advice for somebody listening to the podcast that might be new or newer to the real estate business, what advice would you give them? That's a good question. I have, I know it's supposed to be one. I probably have three that are maybe all connected in some way. Um, the biggest thing is database. I would say it's so important to stay connected with people, create a, a focus of people that you're going to stay connected with. Um, which ties into my part two is being consistent is even, I think sometimes it can be daunting to start a new mailer or an e-newsletter and it's easy to talk yourself out of it. Like people aren't going to like it, or this doesn't feel supernatural to me, but I think at the end of the day, you just got to do it. Don't overthink it and then be consistent because that is going to produce results. Um, and then my, my second piece or third piece, however you want to think of it is networking which I guess ties into to database too, but like networking with everyone in the industry, other brokers, title reps, lenders, um, just be well-connected in this industry. Because again, like a lot of my business came from referrals from other brokers and I built that trust with them and I learned a ton from them. And it also helped in my own business. Yeah, that's a great point. Even, you know, networking with people that are outside of our company is really important. Yes. You never know when you're going to have a, a an offer for uh, somebody's listing that's not a Windermere agent. And, you know, your, your, your offer tends to go to the top of the pile if they know who you are, they have a relationship with you, even though you're wearing a different brand on your business card, they know you, they trust you. Um, I think that's very important as well. Well, that's great. Well, Devin, if people have any questions for you, how the phone number or email address that you can share with us, if people have follow-up questions after today's call, how do they get a hold of you? 
yes, call, text, email, any of that. I'm like always on my phone, which is probably not a good thing, but um, I love connecting with people. And especially like, I know it's hard in this industry starting out, especially if you're solo and not on a team. So it's so nice to have that, those peers and to be able to collaborate. So please reach out to me anytime by any of those means. Um, I'll share my Instagram too, if people want to connect over Instagram. Can you give us your email address real quick too. Oh yeah. Okay. So my email is D Cruz, just my last name, K-R-U-S-E at windermere.com. And phone number? And phone number is 425-681-9347. Devin, thank you for being on the podcast today. I, I, uh, I love your story. Uh, I love the fact that you're a part of a, a regular accountability group but you had a great mentor that helped you early in your career. So thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, if you like what you heard today, please feel free to share this podcast with someone. If you have ideas or topics that you'd like to hear in the future or feel you've got good content for the podcast, you can reach me at joe at joegalindocoaching.com. That's joe, J-O-E at J-O-E-G-A-L-I-N-D-O coaching.com. And as we like to say at Windermere Coaching, be awesome and help someone. Thanks and have a great day. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.